When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Wa. And I'm Chris, and welcome to Docky Sweeties. We're two longtime friends who discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docuseries. Yes, but through our own lens, which can be peppery, acidic, salty, bitter, but at the end of the day, hopefully mildly sweet. Hello, everyone. We are going to give you, honey, it's brand new docu-series. And I'm going to say, I guess, no trigger warning, unlike the other ones, unless you have PTSD from being a victim of this person himself, which is Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, the monster of Wall Street. This is episode one, a liar, not a failure. And this is on Netflix. Yeah. So you want to watch along. So it says season one, episode one. And I'm like, what is season two? <laughs> you put that there and I just pretended it wasn't real because I was like, yeah, no. season two. So I just didn't say it. Well, I didn't say it. It says it on Netflix. So I put it there just in case there is a season two and then we didn't have like weird, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for those of you guys know, like I'm continuity sake, I'm trying to like keep keep things mm-hmm. in line in mm-hmm. order for my uh my hard drive. Okay, so I didn't know. I could not remember anything about this person. Like I knew that there had been some financial crime that had occurred and I, but I couldn't like tell you what this person did. So we, it, it, we start off as a Palm beach story. You know what it is? I can tell because I wrote that down. Yeah. So we start with the guy telling a story and he's like, look, I remember I was with my mom. I was at Palm beach. It was a country club. And over there, Bernie made up my mom was like almost like a little fan, like, oh, there's Bernie Madoff, you know, and I looked over and Bernie Madoff came over and he came over. He like was talking to people and he was whatever. He was very, very nice, you know. And then afterward, my mom looked at me and she said, he is wonderful, but he never looks at you in the eye. And that stayed with him. Yeah, he never looked at me in the eye. And this is a man talking about, obviously, his first interaction with a man that we would be documenting and having the subject of, which is Bernie Madoff. So later on, we'll find out why he's in Palm Beach and what he preyed upon. But basically, we'll tell you this. Chris, who you're listening to now, I knew this story. Uh, My dad's a wealth manager. And so uh, I knew the story already. And um, I knew some of the, like, details of what had happened. Um, Wong? What's your background? I am not a wealth manager's daughter. My dad uh, does not do that. And he's terrible with money. So I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I So I moved to New York City in 2008. And that is the, the year that the big cracking of the Madoff case happened. And so obviously, New York City is Gotham City. So when there's front page news of stuff, it's like, hey, mister, you got a penny for a, a, a magazine? Like they literally, New York City, is the only city that I have been in where newspapers and periodicals are in constant motion. There are actually 
paper stands where people have whole little booths where you you get the paper and they give it to you for free on the subway. It's free. Certain periodicals. So are certain newspapers. So um, I did see Madoff in big letters. I knew he was a big bad wolf. I know that he had done some some crazy white collar and like stole people's pensions, stuff like that. But I didn't have any of the nitty gritty de details. So watching this is like really interesting um, thus far in figuring out how this man did this. And it's also just like the the re really dirty side of like American capitalism. <laughs> like it, the way they let him get away with stuff, it, it is just so shocking. And and I'm somebody who, whenever I'm like, oh, that person did it, other people have done other things and they're doing it currently. Like they've just figured out a new way to do it. So there's a new somebody who's doing something shady on Wall Street now and, and who didn't get caught when Bernie got caught and learned from his mistakes. It, it's just like a, it's like a wild, it's a wild west sort of situation to me. That's what it feels like um, in, a, in an area that I have absolutely no concept of. Yeah, greed's a whole ass thing as part of human nature. And, uh, you know, Ponzi schemes are destined to fail because, but, and, and it's just, I always think about how, how do you even enjoy your life in the sense of the worry and anxiety that any moment everything could come falling apart? But, uh, however, uh, we aren't Bernie Madoff, and he is a whole ass person that's different from us, and we'll talk about it. So, this starts a little bit with like going back in time to like now that that memory of him happened but this is who the man is the man is an old man who's being accused of a crime and we're seeing footage of him shoving photographers and uh what makes this story different is the sociopathic way in which that he pursued his crimes which the only moments of sensitivity he has seems to be perhaps with the idea of his family but even that goes to show that maybe his narcissistic narcissistic nature um just missed their love so yeah he is a serial financial killer he is a financial sociopath they say in the documentary that in 100 years from now, people will remember this story. And why? By 2023, honey had already forgotten it. Yeah. Like, I want to tell you right now, I, because I'm not, I, I, yeah, I, I was there. I was there when it happened. And I can tell you right now, I don't, I have like slight memories of it. So it, it'll, it'll rock the financial, America's financial world. For the next hundred years, they, they, those who are in finance, they will, someone will write there. They've already been written books. I'm sure he's in textbooks now, um, in wherever people who work on wall street, go to college, you know what I'm saying? They're going to teach about him. So that's what they, I think mean. So at the, the future, um, theater majors may not know about him in a hundred years. <laughs> um, unless so. they came up with like some crazy made off mirror exercise where you're like, steal i don't know yeah. so anyway so let's move on so um 64 billion is what they say the number that was gone however my dad was very quick to point out that's not true 64 billion is what he said he made for them never existed so the truth of the matter the i mean you know 64 billion is not they can, they're gonna erase the number but the truth is it's not that much money it's still a lot of money but it's not that much because he lied the whole time so he would say that you're making money you're making money but like 
what you think existed never existed and what was actually there, what actually was tangible cash that were was invested to him that was lost. Um, I think it looks around, I think it said like 28, maybe 28 million. So um, billion. Ha, ha, billion. Ha. Yeah. So <laughs> we have a double, a couple of different panel docuseries talking heads. One's going to be um, Andrew Ross working, who's a New York Times reporter, John Campbell, who is a writer for a Madoff documentary. We have a couple of um, writers of Madoff, not documentaries, that makes sense. Um Books. autobiographies oh biographies ha 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 yeah. i got the right word right go ahead Wa. no just books i was gonna say books oh, okay great so um now this documentary is going to start with the day that he's arrested right and then it's going to go back and tell you how it works so the day he's arrested it's like the fbi um <clears throat> the next day they go into what they will describe as the lipstick building which is the course is where the offices of Madoff was specifically on two floors, uh, the 19th floor and the 17th floor. They go to uh, the seven, the 19th floor, which is the normal floor. And they said it looked like fucking apocalyptic Frankenstein. Like they looked like the, they say it resembled the scene from Frankenstein where villagers want to kill a monster. And I thought, oh, so the scene in Beauty and the Beast where they're saying kill the beast because that's a relevant uh, reference for me so um but basically yeah like the day that he's arrested wa tells you the newspapers go crazy the fbi goes to the office and people have read the newspaper that have money with him that are in the bottom stairs of the office being like where's my money where's my money you know what i'm saying like angry ass peeps and like the fbi had to go through them they're young of the fbi the fbi is like okay they have to go upstairs and they realize that like they have to treat everything like it's a crime scene. You can't even take anything away because they don't even know what they're looking at yet. Like, and what makes sense in which place. And there's just all of the workers that were there are scrambling around. The FBI does not know who knows what, who knows who, like what is what. They're crying. They're screaming. Some people like feel like they have to go downstairs and talk to the angry village investors, you know. But like in my mind, I was like, what are, we, what are you going to tell them? Besides, we don't know anything unless you know something. But um, <clears throat> the FBI talks about what Bernie Madoff's look looked like. So his legit business is a beautiful gray and black themed office. Everything is like fancy, nice. He has Liechtenstein prints um, everywhere. There's a bull statue, which is like a bull in bear market. The bull is a market that is like forging ahead, making money is good. A bear market, not so great. So a lot of wealthy, wealth features, not wealthy, wealth advisors or whatever have those options in there. Uh, sorry, those whatever images. Um, images. images. Um, he has a print, uh, the, uh, he has a screw. Um, the FBI guy is like, yeah, the bull to me, like, wasn't so much a bear market. It was, it was about his bullshit. And the screw, I just was like, uh, he wants to screw everyone. Yeah, that was so <laughs> dumb. I was like, sir, who, t you, no, sir, shut up. <laughs> um, I really, and I really thought like, I, you, you know, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell it. you right now. Tell me. I know that he's a bad person, but I don't. I don't view him as one. I don't have. I'll change, your I, mind. I'll change your mind by the end of this. Yeah. Um. And it, and I I just like I'm just like uh, uh, yeah I don't um I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> not, okay, not, well, not, it, I this is why I'm gonna and I'll get the at the very end. But this is why it is. Wa, what if you and what if you and your dad 
no, no, I know, I know that he's a bad person. I, what I'm saying is, is that, oh yeah, go ahead. Specifically screwed over out of everyone in the entire world. A lot of people, but a lot of Garifuna people. I guess it's like, it's easy. I mean, not easy. Listen, we go to war all the time with people who look different, right? Or are different, you know, like human nature is so that like you can somehow debase someone to think that they're better than you or not you or just like someone exists somewhere else. It's not important or whatever. But I guess for me, I guess, is that Bernie Madoff fucked over everyone total, including his family, including like Holocaust Jewish survivors. And he's Jewish, you know, like I'm not Jewish. I guess I'm like, and obviously you're not either, but it's like you're going to fuck over your I mean, the, your own people, like, and the, the, the lowest, the low of your own people in the sense of like the poorest, of the poor, or like people who like don't have anything. It's just in, it just, that's, I guess why he just, yeah. You know? No, no, I agree with you. What I'm, what I'm saying is that I, I'm, because I'm used to watching documentaries where the person has physically harmed somebody, like we've seen a lot of documentaries thus far, at least I have, where it's easier to hate somebody immediately if they have unalived, if they've unalived somebody. I, can, I mean, I'm not on TikTok, I can say the word. If they've killed somebody, if they've like murdered children or molested children or like whatever, whatever, like because of the type of crime he is, he has, I have, and I haven't finished it yet. I'm on episode three. I am just like taking in the mechanics of what has gone on. Right. So I'm just in the thick of learning what he's done. I know he's ruined people's lives. And I think that once we get more than just that, the one guy who cried with his wife, but when we get for, when I get further into it and I start to see his victims, I'm going to feel that way. I'm just saying right now, that is where I'm at. Um, uh, because they're like laying out his life, um, at this point and the FBI. So where Chris left off, left off is the FBI has raided the lipstick building. And um, so we're in 2008 and uh, we start off with um, the FBI not knowing who knows what and who to hold in the office. And and there must have been some support because of how deep and how much money he, he laundered and took and did whatever. Um, but I think what it, what's interesting is as you watch it, you realize that like, the FBI, yeah, somebody on that on the seventeenth on the nineteenth floor must have known, but most of them didn't. It, they were on the wrong floor looking for the people who knew at that point. They were on the wrong floor. So the women who are crying are crying because they don't know what's going on and why they're being raided. Um, so then we go back in time to, to to like give the backstory of him. He's a son of Jewish immigrants from Queens, um, and he they just come out of the Great Depression. They talk about the war and the fifties and how like there was this like burgeoning um, middle class in the suburbs, and this is like the boomer generation. Um, and so <laughs> so I was like boomers, you know how I love to talk about boomers. Uh, Madoff is a boomer, um, and so we talk about his parents, Ralph and Sylvia, um, and how like he was an awkward guy. Um, and he would like, he paid some girl 25 cents when he, when they were little to play with her, which I was like, that feels weird that you would pay a, a little girl. And and then it made me wonder it? about, huh? I was like, did she take it honey? And like, tell me more about that little girl, you know, That's, I like, but didn't also, it made me go, oh, he, 
I wonder who, how many mistresses he had and how many other women he's paid to do services for him. So like, many. That's literally what, where my mind went when they, they put this seemingly innocent story in here about him paying a little girl 25 cents to the next door neighbor to, to play with him. Um, and then I was like, oh my God, he started early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, at one point he's like, yeah, he robbed Peter to give to Paul. Let, honey, the back page escort that he gets a massage from every night, honey. That's who gets, like, I bet, like, he just, like, kept half of the New York, like, escort escort in business yeah i mean absolutely so um yeah the 50s has this like we want peace we want you know we want to like have nice things it's we want to spend money you know like and consumerism yeah you listen that's the time and every time if you think i don't want to be alive in the 50s you're wrong because it feels like i would have like enjoyed you know, a poodle skirt, um, which is what probably Ruth was wearing, honey, because he ends up meeting his wife in a basement sock hop party, <laughs> like a sock hop, grease, like grease lightning. In my mind, I'm like, oh, he's like straight up Danny. She's like, I don't know, some she's blonde, so she really could be, um, what's her what's her name? Olivia Newton John. I know, but what's her name? Sandy. Oh, Sandy. Um, <clears throat> now they're gonna they're gonna start to paint, obviously. The portrait of this man also they're going to show us a version of bernie which is a reenactment actor and i'm gonna go ahead and tell you this one of the this is now a choice this docuseries makes and i hate it a choice it's a choice it is reenactment actors a lot of it and it's a there's a they got a man that they bernie and he's gonna either like slow runway walk to camera and there's going to be also copious slow motion scenes of people in the office interns either like getting happy working being scared you know it's like i swear to god i think i see someone i know in one of the extra scenes um hilarious but yeah so bernie's dad like couldn't feel like he couldn't get his shit together he was kind of like a failure to launch he would have businesses and like it didn't really work out he would have liens on his homes and it made bernie himself feel very uh obligated to be successful that he wanted money that he wanted this you know and of course he had paid that girl he knew what it was like that you can kind of like get things by money at some point he was a lifeguard maybe there's something about feeling like you can take care of people or like the ego of like saving people could be a part of it um yeah he meets ruth madoff who he will get married to now ruth's dad was wealthier than uh bernie's dad and therefore it's a little bit of that thing where like he didn't think that bernie was good enough for ruth or whatever like he ran a whole successful it's like some sort of firm that also has accountants like it just feels like it's a very big business that ruth's dad runs and basically for some reason ruth falls in love with bernie which i don't understand why she was so young probably you know just like couldn't have sex maybe like i don't know you know like in the 50s who knows so they get married and he gets a job there at bernie's bernie's father-in-law gives him a job um anyway so when he does that he starts learning how to trade over-the-counter stocks. Okay, so I had asked my dad about the fuck over-the-counter stocks minutes, and this is what he said. He said over-the-counter stocks were not what the is considered like the S&P, like New York Stock Exchange, like major stocks. They're smaller stocks. That over-the-counter stock market 
would end up being what we now call NASDAQ, mm -hmm. the NASDAQ market. So, um, you know, like, and they were like really cheap. And then there was also like pink paper. So he would like write it down and then you would like mail it to them. So it's like, you know how now we're just used to like stock market being so um, like quick. It didn't used to be quick like that. It was like, you would call a guy and you'd be like, Hey, Hey Joe. Um, I see you've got some um, VIX, not VIX. Uh, you've got some, like, <laughs> see, I see what you're <laughs> I see what you see. Yeah, I'm looking at all the things I'm trying to say. Like, I'm like Amazon, VIX, uh, Vaseline. No, I see you've got some um, stock in um, pigtails. Parker and Gambo. Oh, okay. And um, how much are they? And uh, the dude's like, uh, they're 12 cents uh, stock. And he's like, cool. Uh, I would like 10. <laughs> like, and then you hang up the phone. And then that person like fills out a piece of paper mails it puts it in an envelope licks that envelope close it <laughs> on a fucking stamp writes your address on it and mails it to you and that is how you get the stock so it's very just like it's you could do whatever you want you could just say and do whatever it is that you freaking wanted because it's literally the wild west and um so he is working for his um father-in-law and then he starts to like take some of the father-in-law's best clients and take their money. And he's like, has a fake, um, not a fake. He has an unregistered wealth management company. And he is taking that money. And uh, then uh, when people call in the debt, he is taking that money and then giving it to somebody else. So he robs Peter to pay Paul. So his, in his wealth management, he doesn't actually sell not a stock. He doesn't take that money and put it in some, somewhere and then like make the stock deal and then give them back returns. He's just kind of like funneling money to and fro and then taking a commission. Go ahead. Okay. So there are two things here, you know, one thing is, okay, so I can me take it back. So my, so you are either a stock person like a stock broker and you are registered as a stock broker you buy and sell stocks right now the other thing you can be in this in this uh tale is a wealth manager or a registered financial advisor and your fiduciary is to the client if you are a stock broker you make money through commissions the trades in which each trade if you are a wealth manager or a portfolio manager you should i'm assuming and in this case from what i know you charge a percentage-based commission on the overall portfolio that you manage. So it doesn't make a difference how many allocations you do in a year. You're not charging the person per allocate or per change you're making. It's just like, this is what I manage. This is the one person I, I make. My I have my incentive to make more money. I make you more money that way, as opposed to a stockbroker who might have incentives, maybe, to make extra trades to make more commissions and have it be not necessary. Okay. So, okay. So here is Bernie now having an unregistered, um, advisor, you know, secret advisory fund where he is, uh, investing stocks, but their stocks are not great stocks. They're in fact, wildly speculative. And it's like a very, very risky, risky maneuvers, you know, and, um, you can think about whatever they'd be like in the fifties and sixties, I would say for in, 2022 and 2023 you could just say crypto yeah that's you know it's interesting how things change so um basically this is what happens in 1962 the market drops 
And his portfolio immediately loses like $30,000, which is like a lot in 1960s terms. Yeah. This is where it gets crazy. So that is horrible and would have just like normally shown someone like a huge failure, whether they got over it, whether they had to learn, whatever it is. But this motherfucker uh, gets his dad-in-law to give him the $30,000 that he missed and so he never tells anyone that he suffered that loss. He just puts the money there. It's like, look, I weathered the storm. And then all of his portfolio people are like, wow, he's a genius. And it's like the in- first installment of this man very intensely failing, but then somehow forward up the ladder, which is maddening. Wow. And it's And the reason why that his father-in-law did that is because he lost the money from the father-in-law's friends or like people he had had business with prior. So he didn't want his son-in-law to look like a failure. So he gave him the money so that he can pay them all off or, and to, you know, make sure that they've still had faith in him. And because he got them through the crash of 62, they gave him even more money. And so he just kept giving them fake numbers like, hey, your stock did this well today. And he was giving back like a certain percentage that nobody else could match. But it was like, this is all very hush hush. You cannot tell anyone that I'm doing this or that I'm doing this for you. Like, not at all. Like we, you know, whatever. So he starts to make money and and he's like taking a percentage, you know, because he's not actually doing anything with the money. It's like they're giving him like it's like me giving Chris sixty thousand dollars and thinking that she's like making money with it. And then she sends me like a, a, a text saying, hey, you now have, uh, you know, sixty three thousand dollars, made you three thousand dollars. You're good, girl. And I'm like, oh, continue, continue. So then you tell me next month. Oh, now we're at seventy thousand dollars. Meanwhile. The money that I've given her, she's like doing whatever the fuck she wants to do with it. Oh, I'll show you with honey, my Botox, my nails, my hair, like maybe a little like lift here, honey, like up and down. I'm getting the top to bottom treatment with that 60K, babe. And they never see any of that money because as you know, when you invest in stocks, like you just kind of let it do its thing. Like you don't, you're not pulling it out every month trying to like, get, I, I'm using a word I don't know, dividends. You're not pulling money out every month trying to like use that money. You're keeping it in there. If your stock is going up, you'll only just make more money. And then when you realize it starts going down, then you like pull the money out so because his stocks never actually went down or his whatever he was doing with the money never actually went down because he was never actually doing anything with it he was just giving them fake information (laughs) it's like wild yeah it is wild also you know it's it's so interesting also know this a lot of people and a lot of people will leverage all of their money to make more money like you know what i'm saying like a lot of people will the concept is compounding interest and being able to like you know realize capital gains so like it's just it's makes financial sense to take as much money as you can and let it do work and make money for you which is why this can be so devastating for people you know who who don't feel who who and here's the other thing i would say who aren't doing their due diligence but as we hear when you cannot again have access to see the money like law says like what you are relying on is like electronic or paper statements the fact as we get on though ne- there will never be electronic access from any of these people and the statements that they get are on like 
computer paper from like Scantron 90s, like, you know, <laughs> no, which is crazy. From like the 80s, because like it was like, it, you know, because think about it. Like in the 60s, there it's all pen and paper. It's all like ledger books. It's like, it, it might as well be an inkwell and a man in a like, with a leather bound binder from like the 1800s. Like technology when it comes to bookkeeping has not changed very much until the computer age. So he's like just, you know, fubbing things up on a typewriter and just like sending them via UPS. You know, your, your mailman's coming, giving you this information. Um, so then we start to get more of an information about like how he's doing this and how, you know, he's earning the trust of all these people and he's making money, but really he's just stealing people's money and doing with it what he will. Um, and we have a lot of just bad reenactments where we have like a guy who's like smoking a cigarette and this man has never had a cigarette between his lips or his fingers ever in his life i was just so distracted i didn't um, see that part but like when you like it, <laughs> yeah just so distracted um so he still he gets referrals from his father-in-law then he starts to work with accountants who are just greedy af these two little greedy motherfuckers he starts to work with them on the side and um <laughs> and especially when his father-in-law retires then there's nobody truly there to watch what he's doing so him and these two little greedy accountants just start to rack in the money and then it turns out that's like four million dollars now this whole entire time bernie's like don't put my name on shit don't ever write down what we do these are all phone conversations we're meeting in in public we're maybe writing it on a napkin and we're burning it immediately like we're not there's should be nothing that ever says any Anything, but these two stupid accountants who get greedy, someone creates a pamphlet and a pamphlet is circulated. And then somebody from some government agency or the police get this pamphlet and they're like, what is this? So mm -hmm. they look up that thing. They look up the Madoff, whatever Madoff's fake, um, his, his business that it's unregistered. And they call in the two guys and the two guys are just like, ah, oh, no, it's not me. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're like, first of all, they, as soon as the cops talk to them, they completely fold. They're like, um, when they're like, how much money have you guys made or taken or whatever, you know, through this business. And the police think that they're going to say like $5,000, $10,000. They say like 4,367 and 25 cents. <laughs> so like, they're like, oh my God. So they go after um bernie and for whatever reason bernie does not get caught these two men like take some plea deal or whatever because they're the they're the ones that are caught red-handed with this pamphlet and bernie has no record of anything so they can't tie him to it in any way um so um, can we say something so his brother has come and also helped him in what will be their actual legitimate business which is so in the 70s, even though he's going to use, you know, like Scantron paper for the rest of his life, in the 70s, he's rather known as a tech investor genius where he sort of revolutionizes the way in which they are able to communicate and share share the selling and trading of stock. Because as Wa said, it was like carrier pigeons. Um, in the 70s, you know, computers are happening and he also becomes one of the founding uh, board directors of the NASDAQ, which is the um, stocks he was trading in the 60s. Um, so his name in New York is in the 70s already a big deal. Someone who is uh, known, who is on board of directors. I mean, you know, it's he is it a titan of the financial What? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. He's a finance. He's a fine. Uh, he's a titan in the financial world in New York. People know his name, and he has, you know, like an heir and legacy 
about him in, in a knowledge where you're like, oh, he's talked about and, you know, C-SPAN and whatever like that. Um, so that's also going to be what of course is going to be on the legitimate side. Like that's what he's doing with his brother. His brother comes on board at the time, um, as I've said. Yeah. And he's like legitimate, like he's legitimately doing good, good work on one front. He is like pushing the needle forward. His name Mm -hmm. is becoming synonymous with success and wealth. I mean, he, he marries Ruth. He's been married to Ruth. He buys a big house. He has two kids. He flies to work on a fucking plane in the water. Like this man is like exhibiting and he's very showy. Like he's interested in showing people the money up front so that they can take him seriously um, because he has like the trauma of being poor when he was younger. So he is just like, you know, putting it out there. He might be pretty gaudy or like whatever, right? Um, And like in the 80s, Wall Street, like with the computers and the like excess of the 80s and the cocaine blows up. So him and his brother are just like doing this thing, but also doing philanthropy work. I'm pretty sure Ruth is at every party throwing every single event. Like they've become like the socialites and like creating the, this space. Mm. Enter me. This is my first place <laughs> in the stock market, honey. I come in around 82. <laughs> I remember, uh, no, I just, I remember like going into my dad's, so in the eighties, my dad was a stock broker. I think I'm not quite sure. I don't, but like, I, yeah, he, he sold stocks, um, with a company, like they'll talk about the crashes and the, and the companies that went under. And my dad worked for all of them, Lehman brothers, which we'll talk about, which will become, uh, Sherson Lehman brothers, UBS, Payne Weber. These are all kind of like, how Goldman Sachs is, they're all conglomerate financial institutions with people working underneath them in the eighties in LA. I would go to visit my dad. Um, and I remember, so before like computers were like in every office, their method of sending information was in the walls. There was vacuum, Mm. vacuum pods yeah 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 like it was a it was like a vacuum system within the walls of the place and you would get a glass bottle Mm -hmm. like this and you would whatever note it's like someone like you know my my dad's secretary would be like so and so called or if my dad wanted to do a trade uh five shares of Mac, please. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if there's no Mac, but like, you know, put it in here and then you put the top on and you put it in the wall and it goes, Zoop! yeah, 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 yeah. And like, that's, that's what it was. Like that was AIM, I guess. Was like, I remember that, you know, like, God, I'm old. Anyway, so um, the, he's living the life, honey, the, the, the penthouse. Yeah. The Montauk. Um, he gets the lipstick building in 1987, which is, well, did you know, do you know the lipstick building? Yeah. I remember like, seeing it. What do you, what are your thoughts of it? I I mean, New York has a lot of interesting architecture. Some of it's very old. Like Flatiron always sticks out to me as like being this like weird corner, and like uh, it's just so interesting um, that a city is comprised of different types of buildings. And yeah, it was one of those luxury buildings that it was like, dang, like. Wow, it's really high. And you know, the, these office buildings, every floor is something different. 
So, you know, this is high prime real estate. And so he gets this like, and he wants it to be so sophisticated. He wants it to be so such clean lines, the newest technology always and forever. He invested so much into that. Like we there, they show us pictures of like his, um, he, his offices with like mainframes, like which are gigantic computers with the smallest screens and then like the biggest bodies. And then like, as we go, go through the, through time, it's like the body gets smaller and smaller. The screen gets bigger and bigger. It's hilarious. Um, you know, it's very Oregon trail versus like what we have now. Um, ah! <laughs> so he had his whole family working there. I mean, and he eventually had his, uh, the kids working there too. Like he's, his brother was a compliance officer and, um, which is, I mean, sorry, when they said that, I was like, me and my dad were like, that's bad fucking news. Compliance officer is literally the person that's like supposed to be making sure. Yeah. It's just, God, everything is so shady. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, listen, in the eighties, he's living the high life and everyone on, everyone loves working for him. You know, they're like, it's kind of yes and kind of no. Like he's painted in both lights. There's like, look, he's great. We loved working for him. He paid for all of our airfare for our honeymoons. We would have these like fabulous fucking picnics and like you had the best, nicest office. Um, but also he can be really meticulous and also really kind of scary about the appearance and surroundings. Everything sort of had to be perfect. He would come in and like adjust something small, like while you were doing something like he wanted no picture frames, you know, uh, he was very into how things looked. And then Peter, who is his brother was sort of afraid of Bernie. So it's like, it literally says, this person says, as most people were yeah, they're also like a great place to work. He gives us free things and he pays for our honeymoons. Also he's horrifying. Yeah. Day in and day out, you know? And I could easily see myself working for a place like that. I'm like, listen, the perks are great. You could be rude to me. I just need to save up enough money to leave. Um, so he, um, so as we tried to kind of explain before is that, um, his job was kind of the middleman when it came to stocks, like his legitimate business. So what he did, his job was to always buy and sell regardless of what's ever happening in the stock market. In 1987, the Dow Jones plunges, like, you know, Dow Jones, NASDAQ, it plunges. It goes down 200 points and every person who is in his exact same business, every middleman type of person stops answering phones because they don't want to lose money by selling and buying, by buying stock off of people because he's, they're supposed to do both, but he has like, when the stock goes down, everybody wants to sell. He's those people are obligated to pick up the phone and buy bad stocks but that does bad for their business. So they sometimes don't answer the phones to, to do this, the trade. Now, Bernie was like, no, I have a reputation. I'm somebody who can equal, who can weather the storm. So he then takes money from his Ponzi scheme to pay for every stock that is being uh, sold back or they're purchasing from these people who are just dumping stock left and right. And so because he stayed open, his employees think like, wow, Bernie's such an honest, great guy, right? Because he's he's willing to take the losses at this time when no one else is willing to do so. So he like rewrites the playbook on how to do good business and be a good middleman in this world because he is always going to do right by his customer. And this really like crystallizes his 
his um reputation in the world it mm-hmm. i mean in this in the stock market like he could do no wrong at this point you know so he has some he converts his systems in 1991 is that what i put i don't know but i'll be honest i've been sitting here I'm staring like, at coven? that note and i don't know what that who's means at bernie's firm coven who's coven that's a person someone starts at bernie's firm in 1991 we're gonna we're gonna know who this is okay <laughs> so anyways he's just doing so well on both fronts everybody's trusting him and um Oh, this is where the FCC has the brochure. Oh, I messed this up. Sorry, guys. Pause. Yeah. So while so while I have said this before, so let's get this right. So what happened was the father-in-law of Bernie had that firm. And when he left, right, there were the two accountants that ended up working with Bernie to create um you know, they, the two accountants, what they did is create feeder funds. They would go solicit money from people, be like, look, we have this great thing. And then from just keep going to get people, going to get people, and then put that money into Madoff and they would get fees, right? Okay, God bless. So here we are. So what ends up happening is the firm is outperforming the market because the market keeps falling sometimes. And weird thing is Bernie just keeps making money as if there's no time or space and it's weird. Right. So, and the FCC starts to like get weirded out by it. And so that's when, um, the accountants, for some reason, this part is confusing because one part of Bernie's success is that there's a secret, um, secretness to being able to work with him and that he won't just take your money that he in fact just doesn't need it. And if you ask any questions, he'll just let you have it back honey because he's so popular and yet why the accountants made a pamphlet unless it was to truly yeah because i needed to get money from people you know it's just like it's it's a it's an incongruity right like it's one of those things where it's like if if you are really successful at your work if you don't need the help then you don't not going to need to advertise right but like if you ever you know that's kind of a thing so anyway moving on so the accountants their pamphlet where they were like Join us, give your money and make 10% of what the market, uh, you know, of what the market dual is absolutely no risk. We guarantee you to make this money. The FCC looks at those pamphlets like you can't fucking guarantee people with no risk involved investments. Like literally it's wrong. You can't do it. It's like literally being like, take this pill. You'll lose all of your body weight in one day. Like it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So they get the accountants. The accountants are like, oh, yeah, we totally did that. Sorry. Uh, it's true. We had this uh, investment firm. The guy's like, okay, well, listen, assholes, you're weird and stupid. How much money is in the stupid ass, small ass investment firm? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. $444 million. <laughs> and the FCC is like, come again? <laughs> and these, yeah, these guys were like, $444 million, four, 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 four fours, two fours, four, three fours million three fours and million is what we're saying to you and so um they really realize how crazy it is but then this is like the fcc having found this out like doesn't put it together they're just kind of like oh that's crazy you're not in you're not registered you should be registered how weird of you guys that seems weird you should be registered 
What? Wait a minute. So here's here's two jokes. One is that I don't know what they're saying. Are they saying FCC? Are they saying SEC? Are they saying FDP? What are oh. they saying? That's the truth. I don't know what if, what they're saying. The next part is that this is what happens. So now I'm at I'm at the right notes. Forget everything I said earlier. It's it still happened, but I told you at the wrong time. Okay. So the, the they go to Bernie and they're like um they're like, "Hey, so we're going to need to see some records." And he's like, "Oh, records you say okay and then he talks to his little like a little italian ball buster pasquale and he's like hey i need you to create some documents just create some documents and fake <laughs> so pasquale burns the midnight oil him and like five other goons and they just create an entire list of fake ass documents and then they turn it into the fcc and i know that that man's ball sack had to be sweating while he watches these mans just flip through the shit and they're like well seems legit they created the thing is so like how are they to know unless they unless somebody is keeping accurate records of the stock market because this is like the computer, the computer, we have computers in 1991, but they don't keep backlog records like that. And if they do, whoever was doing this did not want to go and and get to the mainframe and search every single thing out. They would rather just believe that Bernie was okay than like doing it because he created such a fake paper trail. No, the thing about it is you know what the stock park, stock, you know what happened today in the past, right? Like if this was like Back to the Future, he made a thing that was legit. And it's like, you can't, if I, I could tell you right now, a bunch of trades and tell you I made you money. I could, I could create a list of things I did and tell you I made money by going back and seeing what made money and what didn't. If I know like this made money, then I bought it. And if I know that was, uh, didn't make money, I didn't buy it, whatever it is. I'm making a whole fake thing. And so it's like impossible a little bit to see that this would be fake because he made those trades and you do the math and that's what it is. It a little bit reminded me of, cause I was really a bad student if I didn't care about whatever I was studying. The many times in which I had a like last minute make up like a journal that I was supposed to be keeping the entire time for an assignment. Like remember that? Like you were to do something in school where like you were supposed to do something honey every five days you were supposed to like do something and then it comes the night before you never did it once and they have to go and this is like in the 90s or in the early aughts with different colored pens to make it look like you were different days writing in what was around a blue pen <laughs> so i'll use the blue pen that day because if you use it all one black pen it looks awkward like i would do that sometimes I'd be like well today i guess i felt like writing in cursive to make it look like but anyway, so I'm like queen of that shit anyway, but so is Pasquale. Pasquale, honey, is going to come back. But the FCS, yeah, so by the way, okay, uh, it's my own fault. I think a lot of the time they are saying SEC, Security Exchange Commission Council. Company? Like uh, SEC. Oh, but it's it sounds like FCC, which is something else. And so it's very, very confusing. It, <laughs> it sounds like he, 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 he. Like it's, it sounds like so many different things. It's like FCC, SEC, FPD. Like it just sounds like so many. I have so many different acronyms, and I'm talking about the same institution. I'm talking about the same government branch of uh, like 
<laughs> government thing and I keep using different words, uh, different letters. So he's just like, it's so, it's just so interesting that I, I where in my notes, I kind of want to skip around because I want to talk about Pasquale. So he's hired this like little bulldog Italian kid with, and at some point they just start talking about how nobody that he surrounded himself with had education. <laughs> and I was like, quit education shaming. Um, so like he has this bull little bulldog named Pasquale who does all his dirty work and, uh, Pasquale is relegated to the 19th floor. That is his kingdom, however. But when he's in a pickle, Pasquale doesn't want to lose that money either. He used to work at a gas station. He's like, fuck, no, nah, I'm not going back to that shit. So he, um, <laughs> he figures it out and they end up just like fooling the SEC and <laughs> going from there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, basically- oh, this is the craziest thing about the $440 million that like he, that the two little weasel accountants told him about. So because, because when he has these four big accounts, okay, these four big accounts know low key that he's fucking scamming, but they don't give a shit because when they call in their debts, he provides the money based on the lies that he's told them. Is my, is my Wi-Fi bad? No. Okay. Based on the lie that he's told them, he has, look, so let's say he's told them, hey, you gave me $60,000 and now I'm giving you back 70. They know he don't got no, that they didn't get no $70,000. So they wait for him to tell him another number. And then he, they tell, okay, $100,000. They're like, great, can you um cash that check? And he would, he would get the money from somewhere and pay them out. So they continued to allow him to take money and do whatever with it. Because when they called in the debt, he managed to find the money. And because they did not want that to stop, he called them and he's like, Hey, I need a, I need like a million and a half from you. So if you could give that to me, that'd be great. And so they did. And they bailed him out this, this next time for that money. Yep they bailed him out again a second bailout for bailout for this man so because the sec somewhat investigated him right and decided not to press any charges or have any fines and it it would sort of feel like the sec at this point was like yeah well everything good here we'll put our stamp on approval on this guy and for the average financial investor person person doing it it's like who do you go to for any sort of trust and or security except the government in such a way and um the importance of having you know the state be able to regulate so in this case they're they're saying well this this, the state's saying sure guys yeah this is fine and so people are like okay great it's fine this is weird, but you guys think it's you guys think it's okay. I mean, I don't know, honey. I'm just like working my job at Home Depot and have this pension, but you guys think it's cool. All right, I'll do it. So people are giving money, you know, whatever, including, as you say here, lots of senior citizens from Florida. Yeah, Florida, honey. Yeah. Um. He pro- listen. He promises returns that average nine percent a year, and um, as I said that's great and the sec says that that's that they're great in doing it and so people are like oh cool check and check honey give him my money give him all the money in fact that was my money i'll call my brother tell him what a great deal is get his money involved wow got some money laying around because i got this great thing where you'll make money and everyone thinks it's a great idea why not yeah 
And is so your money did, making you nine percent? Because if it's not making nine percent, then why don't you make nine? I mean, it makes it's like you'd be it, it's hard because you feel almost foolish not to. Yeah, it it really it lots of people and and it was all like so many different webs of how he got the money. They didn't know they were giving it to Bernie. Not all of them, because they were because of the kind of accounts they were, they might have thought they were doing something else with it. And it was being like exchanged from one account to a mutual fund. I don't know, feeder. I'm just throwing out words. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that nobody knew that it was like, nobody knew that it was Bernie that they were giving it to. They just knew that it was hedge some funds. secret th- hedge funds. They just knew it was some secret thing that they would give their money to. And if they needed to pull money out, they would just get the money back. And so like, if you're a short-term person who just wants to make, you know, if you want to put it in for five years and you make your, your 9% of whatever you put in, then you would walk away. But for those folk who wanted it to stay there for the long haul so that when they retired, they had a nice little cushion after like 10 years of 9% a year, you know, those are the ones that were the most adversely affected because he couldn't ever call in all the debts at the same time. And his allegiance was to the fab four. Yeah. I mean, everyone starts to invest. I mean, his client roster really spans the gamut from like charities, you know, to foundations and really rich people and famous people and not rich, famous people. And, you know, I mean, it's like, it's really intense. So um, uh, the episode ends with Gus back Gus back, I'm sorry, um, Gus back at the 17th floor, the lipstick building, honey. And, um, we have painted the foundation and how things have become like a boiler pot where things are percolating and people are wildly investing without knowing. And it's, 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 uh, it's scary. And let's just say like the, you know, avalanche is growing. It feels like there's a momentum here to uh, what will ultimately ultimately be a huge pop in the bubble of this Ponzi scheme. This man kept a Ponzi scheme going for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it didn't bust until 20, 2008 and he started before 1962. That's like Diana Ross. You know what I'm saying? It's like Diana Ross was famous when he started that shit. <laughs> like, it's like, that's how I reference like time periods. It's like who was, who, if, if Motown was around or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do get that. I do get that. <laughs> um, so that's the end of episode one, you guys. We hope that you will stay on this journey with us. Like for I, I know that for those of you who might be financially literate, we sound like a bunch of idiots trying to talk about this. Well, I sound like a like a little idiot trying to talk about this. Um, so thank you for listening. But it's it's interesting. You should watch it because it's just so it will it will make you want to pay attention to your finances and and know that at the end of the day, you might not even be able to trust the government to give you good information about who's doing what kind of business, especially when you see that somebody like Bernie Madoff, who had been had inquiries at least two times in his career, and he, he managed just to walk away because nobody would continuously keep their foot on his neck, and that's what he needed to happen. So... All right, you guys. So if you want to see the visuals of what you heard here today, you could join us on our Patreon. It's $10 a month and you get exclusive content, including a live every first Monday of the month where we talk about whatever we want to talk about, but we're live and it's for you. So 
You can communicate with us via the Patreon, have a kiki, you know, talk about whatever you want to talk and we'll answer because, you know, we like you. Um, but otherwise, you could also check us out on our socials and Chris will tell you about that. Oh, yeah, they exist. Just kidding. Uh, on Instagram, you can follow us at DocuSweeties. Also on TikTok at DocuSweeties. Also on Twitter at DocuSweeties. One, because for some reason, I guess there was a DocuSweeties, which I'm mad about and I'll kill him. What? Can you say that one more time? You cut out. Okay. So if you want to follow us, you can. We are at DocuSweeties on Instagram, at DocuSweeties on TikTok, and at DocuSweeties on Twitter. Oh, no. At Doc oh, fucked it up. Wah. At DocuSweeties1 on Twitter. And for some reason, we're not at DocuSweeties on Twitter. Wah. Why aren't we at DocuSweeties on Twitter? Wah. I don't know. Somebody else has it, and that makes us very upset. Who has DocuSweeties on Twitter? Would that literally we literally delete your account and give yeah. it to us? Yeah, we have to be DocuSweeties one. And also, like, why would you just do it on Twitter and not everywhere else? Duh, you weird. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to us, and we hope you give us five stars. And we also hope that you have a good uh, night, day. I don't know what time it is where you are and where you listen to this. We just hope you have a good one. Bye. Keep your money. Keep your money. Keep your money.